Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Goddess Diaries with your host, Dom Champagne. Come explore what it means to be a modern woman who dares to remember her sacred self. Did I mention I really love the misunderstood goddesses? Melozine is one who I've come to deeply connect with over the past few years, and she definitely is a misunderstood goddess. Adding to her mystery, there are so many different versions of her story, even tying her back to the ancient primordial creation mother goddess, uh, tying her to Lilith, and even to the Lady of the Lake, who fostered Lancelot of the King Arthur legends. So where does this leave us, modern women? What does this mean for us? Who is Melusine and what relevance does she have for us today? That's what I hope to explore on this episode of the Goddess Diaries Radio Today. Welcome, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of the Goddess Diaries Radio. This is your place for daring to remember your sacred self. My name is Dawn Champagne. I'm the host and creatrix behind the blog and the radio show of the same name. And in today's episode, we are keeping in theme with self-care. We've been talking about radical self-care all month long on the blog. And uh, so today we're talking about one of my favorite goddesses, a misunderstood goddess, and I love them so. But you might already be familiar with this goddess and not even realize it. You might see her every single day without even not without even consciously registering it because her image is very ubiquitous. And despite her misunderstood and obscure beginnings, she's really risen to a place of prominence, at least in our modern culture. And the goddess that I'm talking about is Queen Melusine, the two-tailed mermaid goddess of self-care, of boundaries, secrets, and commerce. And maybe that's why Starbucks has chosen to use her image as their logo. (laughs) I don't know, but we'll find out, right? Well, I don't know. I'm going to be taking a trip to Seattle later this month where I do hope to find out. But uh, yeah, that'll be that'll be fun. Find out when I go to the original Starbucks coffee shop. But anyway, aside from all of that, the interesting thing that always happens when I'm sitting down to write, I kind of feel like I kind of channel whoever wants to come through at this time. And originally, I thought I was going to hold off and talk about the goddess Melusine around about the Scorpio moon because it just kind of felt right in my head anyway. It felt right (laughs) that I'd wait until the Scorpio new moon to create a podcast dedicated to her. But then 
just over the past couple of weeks, she was all like, no, talk about me now. <laughs> and I found it's a, it's a kind of a hilarious uh, synchronicity. As it turns out, the Pisces moon and eclipse is coming up later this week, next Friday, the 16th. So the synchronicity of it, I just love it. Um, but I'll explain more about that in the in a moment. You know, the Pisces moon that's coming up is is really all about self care. It, it it's about getting in touch with our inner needs, our inner landscape, and um, yeah, and discovering how we can really show up and be present in the world with a real solid self care plan. So. I'm kind of happy that Melazine stepped forth and wanted to be talked about in this episode because she's, like I said, she's one of my favorite goddesses, but she's got a really interesting story, um, very interesting story. And it is confused. It's uh, all over the board. I mean, if you go out and Google Melazine mermaid goddess, you're going to come up with loads of different iterations of her story but uh my french heritage my french background french canadian rather um i've always connected to the to the medieval french celtic kind of stories and so that's the one that i'm going to focus on today is the the story of melazini as told by what was his name what was his name what was his name uh jean Darus. jean Darus. Um, oh goodness, that's embarrassing. My phone was just ringing. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay, so Melazine, let me just jump in and tell you a little bit about her story, and then we can come to understand about what she teaches us today in the realm of self care and how we as modern women can embody that spirit and that energy that Melazine projects. Uh, we can carry it forth into our own lives and be show up you know be present show up be our best selves in this world so according to one of the most famous stories out there about melazine the romance of melazine by jean doris it's a french fairy tale written in medieval times uh we learn that melazine was the daughter of the water fairy, Priscina, and also the mortal man, King Elinus, or Elinus, or some say Helmus. Um, but according to that legend, Melusine was uh, born half human, half fish. And it was said in this story that Melazine, this would happen, she would, uh, she would turn into a mermaid every Saturday, but every other day she would be human. So as Melazine grew older, you know, she lived in the forest. She lived in the forest and um, one day her, a, a, a hunter was traveling through the forest and came across her swimming in a river or a fountain. And um, 
he fell in love with her. He was he was just smitten by her immediately, taken by this magical creature in the forest, just enjoying herself. And the hunter, his name is Raymonden or Raimonden, depending on on how you say it or where you're from. Um, he actually had been hunting in the forest with a group of people, and he accidentally killed his uncle during a boar hunt and he was he was unsure what to do and so as he was wandering through the forest he happened to come upon melusine and she immediately felt his distress and he told her what had happened and she promised him that she could help him to overcome this that she would help him uh get over this accidental death you know him accidentally killing his uncle and would help him rise to the power and wealth and she told him what he needed to do to go back to his castle and explain to everybody what happened and then he did exactly as she said and when he figured out um that this was going to work for him he came back and asked melazzini to be his bride she agreed to be his bride under one condition and that was that he could not see her in her chambers on Saturdays, no matter what. Of course, he didn't think anything of it. He thought it was silly and he immediately agreed because he was so smitten by her. And they were married at once. And of course, Melazine lived up to her promise, helped him gain power and uh, build up their community and she became the mother of the Lusignan line, according to legend. That is, uh, if you if you trace their royalty, their lineage, they'll they'll say that it traces back to Melusine. And so she built up the community. She built castles all over the land, ruled over the land. Was a very good ruler with her and her husband Raymondin, and. Um, they had numerous children, numerous, numerous children. But every Saturday, Melusine would retreat to her special chambers where he would not bother her. Until one day, someone in the court said that, isn't it odd that she takes an entire day to do, what is she doing? What is it that she's doing? And so Raymondin became a little suspicious and he started questioning, maybe she's cheating on me. Maybe she's doing something she shouldn't be doing. Uh, you know, what's going on? So her husband decided on the next Saturday that he would peek through the keyhole in the door to her chambers and what he saw shocked him. She, she was bathing in her tub and she appeared just as beautiful as ever this beautiful gorgeous queen his bride you know his his wife but he noticed as she splashed around in the bathtub there was a tail peeking out of the tub and it freaked him out he couldn't he couldn't quite believe it he didn't know what to do and um this is where the story kind of differs, but in one account, it is said that he immediately confronts her and she, feeling betrayed because he promised he would never, never interrupt her, she immediately turns into the dragon 
woman and flies off, never to be seen again. But in another tale, another account, he didn't confront her immediately, but waited until they had a dinner party where his frustrations grew and grew between that time and the dinner party. And she had said something at the dinner party in front of all their guests. He outed her and told their guests that she was a, a serpent demon. And again, in that iteration, she flew off, never to be seen again, only to return at night in human form to check in on her children. And so that's pretty much how the tale goes. It's an interesting story. It's, um, as, as most fairy tales go, uh, there's a lot of juicy nuggets in there. And if you, if you go out and you check on, online and just kind of read up on her story, there's so many different iterations, which means to me that there's a lot of different um, accounts of you know, interpretation of, of what's happening at the time. Like this story, for instance, was written in the Middle Ages, uh, a time when um, you know, spiritual ideals were changing and shifting and when the patriarchy was really gaining power. And in fact, um, Martin Luther of the Lutheran denomination, the founder of the Lutheran denomination, would preach about her in in his sermons. And he wrote extensively about Melusine, calling her a succubus and a spawn of Satan, which I find interesting. Um, <laughs> and other accounts, for instance, in Gote's account, the new Melusine or Die new Melusine, however you say it in German, um, he, he depicts a more positive image of Melusine as, as a natural woman and elemental uh, who was in touch with her, with both worlds, with her inner landscape as well as her external world. So again, where does all this information leave us? Where does it leave us? Well, I want to take a look at the story and just kind of break it down a little bit, a la... Clarissa Pinkola Estes, <laughs> if you will. Um, I want to break it down because I think that there's a lot of information here. And I really didn't cover everything. I just did the very basic glossing on the top because this is only a half hour show and I only have so much time. But I want to draw your attention to a couple of key points in the story of Melazine because I feel like it will help you it will help all of us listening uh, to understand the importance of radical self-care. So again, uh, last week in the episode, uh, Radical Self-Care, last week I talked about a little bit about what it actually means to have a radical self-care plan of action for your own life. I was really surprised to discover when I looked up the word radical, I was really surprised to discover I already knew that it meant extreme or taking extreme measures or doing something extreme, right? But the word actually has its root into actually with the word root <laughs> and radical share the same etymology. And when you trace the word back to its origins, you start to understand a different meaning of the word radical itself, which, which actually has the same meaning as holistic or all encompassing. And so 
looking at it that way, when you're thinking about a self-care plan, you know, it's, it's a holistic plan for your life because um, isn't that truly how we should be living is in a holistic way. You know, the, the, we don't have these parts. We don't live with these decompartmentalized areas. You know, everything affects everything. So I'm looking at the story of Melazzini, let's just go back to her origins and, and just go from there. So Raymonden, her husband, found her in the forest, a siren enjoying herself in her wild woman splendor, splashing around and singing in the water. And to me, this represents the, the woman who was doing the things that brought her joy, you know, before he came along. She was in her element, fully expressing herself and her joy, doing the things that fulfilled her, that made her feel whole and complete. And when he saw her, he immediately fell in love with her. You know, he saw that energy. He saw that he, he wanted a piece of that. And he thought that a good way to bring that into his life was to ask her to marry him. You know, so he's operating on, on one brainwave and she's over here just being herself. Um, but when he asked her for her hand in marriage, she agreed to to do so, but only under certain conditions. And I view that whole negotiating tactic of her advocating for her needs, negotiating for just her one day of solitude, her one day of self-care. And even though he thought it was silly, he agreed to it. He agreed to give her that one day that, she, you know, that she, he agreed to give her that thing that she needed. And, um, you know, when he couldn't, when he betrayed her by peering beyond the veil, her, that little shroud of mystery, which is so um, interesting and synchronous with this Pisces moon, that shroud of mystery, um, he became frightened by what he saw because that illusion of what he had built up in his head of who she really was, of, of, of how she was fulfilling his needs, that illusion kind of crumbled. You know, what did he see? You know, before he just saw this beautiful woman in her element, just enjoying who she was. But after that point, when he peered through the peephole into her private chambers, did he see a mermaid? Did he see a serpent? Did he see a monster? Or was it just a woman enjoying herself without the need for a man? Or was she a woman in touch still with her deepest desires and her soul needs? Did this make him feel inadequate? And then did he retaliate in a jealous and insecure way by defaming her in front of others and belittling her? You know, it, it goes really deep. It goes really, really deep. Because in some versions of the story, she forgave him at first. But when he later told their friends at, at their dinner party what he saw, she stood up and left without a trace. So uh, I know in another version, she immediately stood up and turned into the, the quote unquote monster that he said he saw. And um, the whole point, though, what I find most important is that when she realized he had betrayed her, you know, when she realized that he 
he lied to her or he didn't hold up his end of the bargain, she upheld hers. She upheld her boundaries and she left. So I think that's a really important key to take away from the story of Melazine is to have very strong boundaries and to have non-negotiable, your, your non-negotiable needs met. And it's not about having those needs met by another person, which was his mistake, her mistake. She knew she was, she was in touch with what she wanted and she uh, was very self-aware and she was able to ask directly for what she wanted and to have her needs met. And so that's a really important skill, first and foremost, to have in your repertoire of self-care practice, self-care skills. So she declared what she wanted and she asked for it and she advocated for her own needs to be met. And then throughout their marriage, if you take a look at the story again, throughout their marriage, every Saturday, she would go in and do whatever it was that she needed to do on Saturday to, you know, we I say she was practicing self-care. She was really fostering herself. You know, she was like, she was being a good parent to herself, the good inner parent, the inner self-nurturer. And when you have a really good parent you know, inner self-parent, I don't want to say parent, not your parents that you're born of, but that inner self-nurturer, that really builds your intuitive sense that lets you know when boundaries have been breached, you know, it lets you know when relationships have become toxic. Uh, so it's really important there also in the story to understand that just by having that self-care practice in place. It's something that's ongoing. It's something that you need to continue to do. It's an ongoing thing. I once had a friend who told me that the only thing, <laughs> the only thing that maintains itself in life are self-sharpening knives. <laughs> and I've always held on to that because that's true. You know, your support or your um, self-care practice, it's an ongoing program. It's an ongoing thing that needs to be maintained. And so she did that every Saturday. And then when she realized that her husband had betrayed her, um, she had a choice to make. She had a choice to whether she could forgive him. You know, in some stories, it says that she forgave him at first and continued on. But then when he betrayed her again, she left the relationship without even looking back. Um, so you have that choice. Once you've been betrayed, do you forgive the person who betrayed you? Do you and then, you know, there's a whole other set of things of self-care needs that go on beyond that point. Uh, but if you choose to forgive them, you go down that path. If you choose not to forgive them, you again, assert your boundaries and leave. You do not abandon yourself is what it comes down to. Either way, you don't abandon yourself. Um, and that's just that's just maintaining a bottom line. That's just um, that's an empowering thing. It's honoring your own boundaries. The more you do it, the more you honor your own boundaries, the more empowered you become. The more um, the more self-aware you become, you know, um, 
and and the more discerning you become in the future with future relationships as well. So I, I hope you're starting to see here how all of this self-care practice, this non-negotiable maintenance of your self-care practice is really important to the modern woman. We live very busy lives. I don't care if you work in the home, if you're a stay-at-home mom, or if you are you work outside of your home, or if you're an online entrepreneur, or if you, you know, whatever it is that you do, life is busy these days. So making that self-care practice non-negotiable is really, really important. And then honoring your boundaries when you feel like they've been breached. Honoring your boundaries, it just strengthens your sense of resolve. Your, it empowers you to make better choices in the future. And then just the ongoing, the ongoing maintenance of it all, you know, the ongoing, um, the ongoing maintenance of your self-care plan, but also the ongoing need to honor those boundaries. Um, you know, how many times are you going to put up with someone? How many times are you going to allow someone to breach your boundaries? You know, you have to make that, you have to choose and you have to decide. And I think that that's part and parcel of walking this path of radical self-care you know, how, how many times are you going to allow someone to disappoint you or betray you before you say no more, you know, so that's part of it. That's all part of the process. So again, I see a lot of women choosing to go back in these cases thinking, you know, we're going to go down this path of forgiveness and everything's going to be all right. But, you know, of course, and that's that's not a wrong thing to do at all. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I, I don't, anyway, that's, that's an entirely different episode. But in the case of abuse, though, I think that you really have to go no contact. So the two stories, the divergent stories of Melazzini and the one where she forgave her husband for his betrayal and then when he breached it again, she left without a trace. That could clearly talk about someone who um, is just in a toxic relationship, but not necessarily physically abusive relationship, just one that's that's not an equal partnership. But the in the other case of abuse, if your boundaries have been breached, it's really important that you make like Melazine and leave without going back. <laughs> you know, it's hard, but honoring your own non-negotiables can really empower you to make those hard choices if and when the time comes. So she had her non-negotiables. Those were the things that she would never give up because they were vital to her existence and to her uh, thrival as a woman and as, as the creature that she was, the being that she was. So women i think can be very forgiving we can be very accommodating and sometimes we have a little bit looser boundaries when it comes to like family obligations you know uh or, or even career obligations doesn't matter but um the more successful women or the happiest women that i know they are the ones who are very firm in their boundaries especially when it comes to self-care so don't be a shapeshifter in the sense that you have to be a people pleaser, you know, just really be strong in your boundaries. That's what the story is all about. It's all about, you know, expressing the needs that we have and 
and really honoring our own boundaries and not abandoning ourselves to the whims of others when it comes to what it is that we need in order to feel alive. So anyway, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I have about a minute left on the podcast. So it's just really interesting. I'm just going to leave you with this thought here that Melusine is the personified example of how to self-care. And if you really want to take a clue from her or a lesson from her out there and research her story and see how it applies to you, you know, she represents the template, a template the modern woman can use to fashion for her own experience when it comes to self-care. So a couple of diary prompts, a few self-reflective things you might want to think about as you as we leave this episode and you go about your day until next week when we meet again. Um, just think about this. Diary what did you love to do before the world told you what to do? Write about that. And do you still make time for it? Why or why not? Question number two, what are your non-negotiables? What are the soul nurturing activities that bring you happiness, that sustain you through challenges? You know, what are they? How often do you make time for these? Uh, are they part of your regular routine? Write about those. If you don't have those things, write about what you would like and how often you'd like to include them in your everyday experience. And finally, how do you enforce your boundaries? If someone oversteps your yourself, so write about those things. And if you like this episode, I'd love to hear about it with your feedback on iTunes. Your feedback helps get the show recognized. It throws it into the iTunes algorithms and everybody's happy. We get noticed and this story gets out there. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Goddess Diaries Radio. Next week, I will be interviewing Dr. Paulette Sherman, who has written a gorgeous book called Sacred Bathing which is right on theme with our sacred self-care, sorry, our radical self-care series. And until next time, I love you guys to the moon and back. I will see you on the blog. Bye.